0: Welcome to Season 4 of the M-W Tactical Podcast. Sit back and enjoy the conversations of Rockstar Burst and myself, Michael Woodland, as we discuss the sport of shooting, goals, training, community matters, and everyday life. You are listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. What's up, good people? We're back at it again, and thank you for joining us for another installation of the M-W Tactical Podcast. This week's show is brought to you by Aegis Gun Care. Aegis Gun Care is a supporter of the M-W Tactical Podcast, and they also sponsor me in competition shooting. And I also believe that their product works phenomenally the best. And I say that because all the carbon buildup that I have on my firearms this stuff takes it away with ease there's no fighting there's no second time scrubbing it down one squirt let it sit brush it down bam rag is good so i'm a firm believer in this stuff so head on over to aegisguncare.com and check out what they have for all your firearm cleaning needs now when i say that They actually have everything in a pouch that you can attach to your bag, put in your car, leave on your workbench, however you want to do it. They got everything in one bag ready for you to go. So check them out. AegisGunCare.com. As a matter of fact, look, look right here. Yep, the website right here. And go pay them a visit and tell them I sent you. Now, of course, remember once we hit 1000 subscribers, we are doing a giveaway. Now I had to run away from Rockstar today because she tried to take a pair of the sunglasses from Hunter HD Gold. So I was out of breath. I couldn't run no more. But she was trying, but I stopped her. So somebody will win those glasses from Hunter HD Gold once we hit 1000. If I can happen to keep it away from Rockstar. But that's between you and rockstar if you are the winner so just remember that if i don't have them rockstar got them so you gotta deal with her not me (laughs) all right so just please go ahead and hit that subscribe button give us a thumbs up thumbs down whatever you like and then hit that bell so you can be notified however you want to be notified and then also remember if you're listening to the podcast on spotify they actually have it whereas you can watch the m-w tactical podcast also now Whatever streaming platform you listen to the show on, go ahead and hit that subscribe, follow, whichever button they have, so you will be notified when a new episode of the podcast comes out. Now, without further ado, y'all already know I give her a hard time because that is my job in life, is to give Rockstar a hard time. Now, she gave me my cardio exercise today, but I don't know how far she was behind or how close she was, but... I just know when I turned around, I didn't see nothing. So I was like, okay, I'm good. And then I went and got a Slurpee. So that's how that went down. But without further ado, bringing forth the co-host of the M-W Tactical Podcast, the lovely, the insatiable, the smart thinker and person who always predicts what is happening next within the 2A community, the one, the only. Rockstar. What's going on there with you, Miss Rockstar?
1: Oh, we know, just surviving day.
0: Dang, <laughs> Hey, We, we all got to survive some type of way. Long as it ain't cold. That's all I can say. Long as it ain't cold. Today here in South Carolina, it was 70 degrees. So I'm happy. <laughs> I am happy. <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, a heat wave yesterday. It was almost 50. De- I think it actually did top out at 50 degrees yesterday.
0: Wow okay winter months 50 in your area I can go for that but that still sounds weird to me maybe it's just because I'm used to the east coast and down south living whereas 70 is normally the norm <laughs> you know what I'm saying 60 you can still go outside with just a light long sleeve shirt on <laughs> you know up north 50 that sounds drastic to me
1: well today it's 22 so I mean yesterday was like a heat wave
0: <laughs> oh. Whew, okay, I can I can relate and I can understand. So we're gonna go ahead and rock with that one like that. <laughs> now, how was your week? How how was everything outside of the weather? How was your week?
1: Uh, busy but good. Um, busy I mean, is
0: good. Yeah, we can. Go yeah,
1: through. yeah. I've just been working on a lot of different projects, and uh, I'm actually teaching a real estate course um, later today. So I'm looking forward to that. So. I actually partnered with a couple gals here in the Milwaukee area, and um, two of them own an Airbnb where we're actually hosting this event. And then the other girl is a realtor, so we're getting together later. Um, We're bringing like snacks and some drinks, and we'll be talking all things real estate, from you know how to run a successful Airbnb to what you should look for in a realtor, and then I'll be covering the investment portion. So I have a course that's all about um, the four pillars of investing in real estate. So I'm looking forward to sharing some knowledge and uh, hopefully getting some additional female investors here in the Southeast Wisconsin
0: area. Nice, nice. Now, are y'all going to do this more than one time? And if somebody wants to come and listen, or how are y'all presenting it? Where are you presenting it? For future, not today, but, you know, so for the future, if somebody wants to come, um, is there going to be like um, notification on Facebook or your social media or something like that?
1: Yeah, we're probably going to go live later on either Instagram or Facebook for this particular event. And then depending on how this one goes, the idea would be to keep connecting with other investors. And like, it's really cool that we're actually having it at the Airbnb property because I think it kind of shows people hey this is actually how you do this this is an actual property that's making money and how you know how they kind of built it from the ground up so ideally we would rotate around to different properties and showcase what people are doing whether that's Airbnbs or um, you know long-term rentals which is kind of what I focus on or single family home, there's so much you can do. Or like people who just do flips, like there's just a lot of different options in the real estate space. So mm-hmm. I when I lived in Minneapolis, I was part of a really cool, it was a young, it's called the Millennial Investor Focus Group. And that's really all we did. We met once a month in various properties around the Twin Cities and the person hosting, it was actually in their property. And they would give a presentation basically of how they bought the place, Kind of their vision for where they're going with it, um, how much it cash flows each month, what they spent in repairs. So really, I mean, some of the places we went in were had were stripped down to the studs, and we'd be having this presentation in a house that was completely vacant and you know exposed walls, and it was just really cool to see it kind of in the. You know the before stages, and then some of the properties that we went to, they were fully functioning. Sometimes they actually had tenants in the space who were gracious enough to like let us in and and, you know show off the property. So, in my mind, I would like to build something similar here because I really thought that was a valuable tool to just show people that they can do it. And they were you know people like my age, even younger. We had a lot of kids in their 20s who were like, "Yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to buy a property and I'm going to learn how to be an investor." So the idea, I guess, is sort of to continue to expand that knowledge and show people that it's not as scary and as daunting and as impossible to do as I think a lot of people think it is.
0: I got a friend of mine who lives here in Columbia, South Carolina, and she was willing to show me the process of what it would take to, you know, put a house up on Airbnb. She showed me how to do everything. And the benefit for her is she has two houses and the one house she lives in, behind her house, because it's an older house that's like downtown Columbia, it's a a garage converted into a living quarters.
1: Oh, cool!
0: So whenever she rents out her house, she go lives in the garage because it's smaller. Yeah. And um, and she's always got people coming in and out like that. But she that's how she makes her living. And then she also has another hustle she does on the side also. But she doesn't have like a real nine to five job her hustle is the airbnb and then her side hustle that she does you know so pretty interesting and um i'm curious to hear what happens next week um and how many people showed up and i think that's something that y'all can expand out to probably once a quarter or twice a quarter or something like that and it's going to continue to grow yeah you know and then before you know it we would be seeing you on um Shark Tank or something making deals <laughs> on, on rental property or something like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so let's um let's dive into a quick commercial break and um, we have a couple of topics. And the topics I do want to hit up is um, the politicians changing up their language as far as gun control, gun violence, however you want to word it. And then I want to talk a little bit about the Super Tom half, Halftime Show. And then the federal government is stepping in asking people to turn in their loved ones or dates on Valentine's Day. You know what I'm saying? So, so uh, you sent it to me. I thought it was funny. I was like, let's talk about it. <laughs> All right. But um if everybody will, please go ahead and turn up your radios. If you're driving, go ahead and put your sunglasses on. If it's raining, just go ahead and take your foot off that gas a little bit. And turn her on, um, hit your cruise control and here are a few words from our sponsors.
2: Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm, but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store or sent to a federally licensed middleman, called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina Concealed Weapons Permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina, or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAETransfers. Thank you for your business and I look forward to seeing you soon. Mental health and guns. At Walk the Talk America, we are working with both the mental health community and the gun industry. Created by a gun industry veteran, Walk the Talk America seeks to raise awareness and create change through suicide prevention and firearm safety without legislation. We strive to eliminate the prejudice that firearms and mental health face. For more information and to support Walk the Talk America, please visit walkthetalkamerica.org. Hey everyone, John from Outdoor Dynamics here. We're a remanufacturer of ammunition based in Kannapolis, North Carolina. We make everything from 9mm 115 grain to Specialized forty Smith & Wesson. So if you have anything from an open gun to just a standard Glock 19, feel free to reach out to us at OutdoorDynamics.net or we're on Instagram and Facebook with OutdoorDynamics. And we're always here for you. Happy to answer any questions you have.
0: All right, good people. We're back at it again. And thank you for sitting through that commercial break. And as I always say, please pay those sponsors a visit and Just let them know that you heard about them through the M-W Technical Podcast. Now, before we go ahead and jump into the topics that we stated before the break that we were gonna talk about, I wanted to say there was a listener who answered my call. I really didn't put the call out, but they was gracious enough to make it happen. And when I say make it happen, remember was it a couple weeks ago we was talking about my favorite candy and then next thing you know i got hit up hey man you need to come see me what's up just come see me cool now needless to say i ended up getting six bags but i already went through two
1: (laughs) i have an intervention for you and your new habit
0: (laughs) i don't need to be doing that right now (laughs) Now, what I did say was I was going to eat one bag. So this was the first bag of the night when it was handed to me. I was so happy. I just tore through a bag, not even 10 minutes. Then I said, okay, I was going to bring this bag onto the show and just munch on it. Not all of it. And after I opened up the bag, I couldn't resist it. And there's only three left. Now, of course, if you're looking out, looking at this on Spotify or YouTube, you'll see me holding up the bags of candy with the three gummies in it, with the milk bottom because I found out that the front side of it says Milk Bear, and it's in German, but that says Milk Bear, <laughs> and it's the Harry Bow, Har- Harbro, however they say it. I say Harry Bow, um, gummy candy, but this is actually my favorite gummy candy, and friend of mine. Now, I'm going to keep them anonymous because I didn't ask if I can talk about this. (laughs) And what it is, is one of them, the husband and wife combination, one of them still has family over in Germany and asked the family member to send it to the States. And then it arrived to me. (laughs) So thank you for the gummies. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) But I'm going to discipline myself and uh, I'm not going to eat all bags, all the bags before the month of March. Knock on wood. Hopefully that doesn't happen, <laughs> but we're going to see. We're going to see. Right. All right. So um, first thing I want to talk about is the love message that the ATF put out. Now, I found this funny when you sent this to me. Needless to say, I have seen this in different cities that I've been in, of course, in the military, and it was in the news and all this and that, but the ATF is stepping in. Saying that turn your loved one in and they get the free rod, five-star accommodation, what they say, a bracelet or something crazy like that. <laughs> you know?
1: The- oh.
0: Yeah. So what they was actually breaking down was okay, turning your loved one, whoever did something wrong, drug dealer or whatever the case may be, and they're gonna get the um, chauffeur rod, which is the ride in the back of the police car or SUV, whichever one that city or agency has, the bracelets they're talking about are the handcuffs, (laughs) the five-star accommodation is you're in a facility behind lock and key that you can't get out of, but you're getting served room service in a sense of speaking, unless they take you to like the mess hall, the cafeteria area. But that's crazy that they would resort to tactics like that, you know? But then again, I've always said the welfare system is somewhat revolved around that same principle, you know? And I have a few friends that always try to beat me down when we talk about it, because you know how they, I can't always find a good man out here. Well, let me tell you why you can't find a good man. And that's one of my talking points when I say that. It always leads to a heated debate, and I just sit back and laugh about it, <laughs> you know, which is nothing more than um, the federal government actually put in place that um, we will give you the mom, the woman, support, but you can't have the man living in the quarters. We'll give you a place to stay and then we'll give you a subsidy whereas you can live. Therefore, when you technically, when you look at it, okay, this money is guaranteed money and I have a place to live, but you can't be in the picture. And how many people would actually take that for survival? You know? So I think it's jacked up that they will resort to these tactics, but... <laughs> from a woman's perspective how do you look at it
1: from the like separate quarters or from like what the atf was saying
0: what the atf was saying and implementing
1: oh yeah okay so i found the actual tweet so It says got an ex who buys or sells guns illegally. We would love to meet and treat them to a Valentine's Day surprise and then they have the call in and the email and the website and it's you know the atf.gov website and I you know whatever it's like supposed to be like kitschy and a joke and yada 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 but it's not, it it would be funny if the ATF couldn't actually ruin your life, you know, like then it would be funny, but they can really step in and like cause a lot of damage and really sort of get you in a bind and get you in a pickle. And one thing that I thought was like really interesting is, you know, we've had all of this talk about red flag laws and what those look like and what that would mean. And it's like, this is like the perfect example of, you know, why we wouldn't want red flag laws, because, you know, you could be petty and vindictive and trying to get somebody that did you wrong in major trouble with one of the alphabet agencies. And I just don't think that that is a good precedent to send, especially since that is such a a topic of contention right now. And that's, I mean, that's literally the perfect example of (laughs) why we don't want those laws on the book because it's really easy to abuse them and to, you know get somebody in trouble that you're just mad at who may or may not be doing something illegally.
0: Well, one thing I can say though is when you deal with a local um, police agency of some such city, county, however it is, you can call and make that false claim. And they're gonna go through the actions until they realize, okay, this was nothing more than a tool used against you from whoever. Nothing's gonna to happen to that other person. Try that with the federal government. Now they're gonna hit you with wasting resources and everything, and they don't care if you're a man or a woman, <laughs> right? They're gonna get their their time and their money out of you for making that false call yeah so um go ahead and play with them if you want to and watch what <laughs> happens <laughs> you know so that's that that equality right there <laughs> they don't. they don't care they don't care yeah you know so um, but i just found that funny that um because i've seen that over the course of the years and the first time i actually heard about that I want to say I was like 20 years old and it was taking place somewhere in Georgia. The first time I, and I thought it was a joke, but it was for real. And then um, like a week or so later they came out and stated like how many people actually came forth and turned in their significant others thinking they was going to get something better in return. But I hope you got a protection um, order. (laughs) Some loved ones that live across the state. (laughs) You know, some of those people you don't (laughs) want to play with like that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. but I found that interesting. But if you happen to hear something like that in your area, um, please email us or write it down in the description and tell us the event, how you remember it and what actually ended up taking place. I'm curious to hear how many other people were affected by this or they seen something firsthand from government agencies doing something like this. Yeah. You know? um, now, I know you are a football fan. Mm-hmm. I am not a football fan. So I, I take it you did watch the Super Bowl because yeah. yeah the little assistant, she watched the Super Bowl. I didn't watch the Super Bowl because I asked her, what team are you going for? And I was like, matter of fact, who is in the Super Bowl? She said she was going for the team that's blue and yellow. <laughs> I was like, okay, we'll go for that one since you don't even know the name of the team, but Blue and Yellow it is. <laughs> but I did go back to YouTube and I did watch the Halftime Show. And I am a hip hop head. So, you know, Dr. Dre, the West Coast and um, the Chronic album. That was considered, back then it was considered new hotness, And everybody wanted to bump it. Today, that is a classic. That whole album is a classic. You know? And the significance of the Super Bowl from that perspective, what was your take on it?
1: I thought it was cool. I I mean, it definitely brought back all the memories and i'm like oh these were the jams back in the day and i'm not a huge hip-hop fan i like country and i like rock and i like punk and i like mainstream hip-hop because it was on the radio and it would get played at like high school dances and you know the clubs in college and stuff like that but um it was cool to see because all of those artists are so legendary um Mm -hmm. You know it was just kind of cool to, and it was in california so you know there's a lot of like west coast representation there um and it, i i actually felt for like the first time in a long time it wasn't like you know they didn't pick like a super divisive group of people i don't feel like the um you know some of these Super Bowl shows, you're like, "Huh, that's kind of like a ritual, like what are they really showing on t v right now?" And I didn't get that vibe at all, and it was just a fun performance and um yeah, I mean they definitely they they played to please the crowd um and they're you know just kind of like reading people's commentary afterwards actually, one of the <laughs> one of the things that I thought was so funny was basically how people were like, um." All of a sudden, acknowledging like, oh, like you know, because like growing up, like who would play like the Super Bowl halftime show, and it was you know not necessarily bands that I would listen to, and I'm like, oh wait, now we are the target demographic. Like that means we're getting old.
0: (laughs) Not not necessarily. Like I guess you can't say that. Yeah, we are getting old. So we are we are that generation now. (laughs) Now, I, um, I enjoyed it. Because, like you said, it did bring back memories. And every song that was played, I was singing it. You know, only one I wasn't singing was Kendrick Lamar. Oh, yeah. You know, um, because I really, only music I listen to from Kendrick Lamar is all the commercial stuff. I never bought an album or downloaded an album from Kendrick Lamar. He's a great artist, but Around the time frame, I just stopped buying music and it just so happened he came out was popping around that time frame when I stopped buying music, (laughs) you know, so a lot of the music that I listen to is the music that I grew up on, meaning old school R&B. So like anytime I'm driving, I'm either listening to jazz, a podcast or some form of old school R&B. Every now and then, I'll go ahead and throw in some old school rap that I grew up on. You know, old NWA, the first album, <laughs> Dr. Dre, Snoop, you know, Exhibit, those guys from the West Coast. And you still got, you know, the people on the East Coast, like Brand Nubian, Biggie, um, Tupac. I still consider him East Coast, you know, uh, Mob Deep, you know, a little bit of TI here and there, you know. But J. Cole is probably the more current rapper today that I like to listen to, you know but I do believe the halftime show showed a path of moving forward with diversity. Now we just gotta pray the powers to be, whatever happens on the backside of the NFL, because like I said, I don't follow the NFL, but whatever happens on the backside of the NFL, if that equality, Mixture, powder, whatever potion they have can actually spread through the NFL like it does the NBA. I think the whole corruption side of the NBA, NFL will probably disappear and it will make the sport fun to watch again. You know, because I stopped watching it once you start getting millionaires crying about getting hit. Dude, that's your job. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I ain't, I, ain't, I ain't sitting in front of a TV to watch you run off off the side. I'm paying to see you either get hit or you do something phenomenal. <laughs> you know. But like I said, I le- legitly stopped watching football years ago. Every now and then, I mean, I could still watch it and follow the game, but I couldn't watch it and tell you who was the players. You know, no. Basketball is a different story. You know, okay. I, I still... Opposite,
1: I don't watch basketball. I hate basketball. I think it's... Really? Oh. Like, it's just, I don't think it's a good example for people. I, I literally, like, after Michael Jordan left, I, I didn't care. Like, I'm like, no, I, I didn't. I was never a big Kobe fan. I don't like LeBron. I think he's a terrible human. He, he's not smart. I could just go, I could write a book on everything that I don't like about LeBron James. like, just, oh, wow. I don't like the guy um and I I mean it was really cool obviously this year because the Bucks won and it was like really cool to like I was at I wasn't at the game but I was in the Deer District like watching the championship game and like that was really cool but I am just not I don't like the NBA I don't like what it stands for I'm not I just I'm not a fan I'm not I'm not a fan like it's not my jam and then like baseball is fun but it's like there's so big like basketball too but there's like there's so many games like you know you've got so many things to like I'm like it doesn't even matter to the playoffs yeah. like the all-star break is like so far <laughs> <It's> like-
0: <laughs> <laughs> baseball I legitly fall asleep every time I try to, to hold <laughs> no <laughs> on nothing against the sport um when I was younger my brother played baseball yeah. Um I never played baseball. I played football and basketball. Those are the sure. two sports I played in. But um basketball was my jam. Now, one thing I do like about basketball and all sports have the same principle because it's a team event. Right? right? And then um it's just everybody's working together as one unit for the ultimate goal of winning. Yeah. And I just think the camaraderie with basketball is a little bit more greater than it is with any other sport. Now, each sport has its own definition of its pinnacle, but for me, the teamwork aspect with basketball, running down the court, and now um, how you read somebody, body language, and like you can make eye contact, and that eye contact can mean so many different things in the sport of basketball, unlike baseball, (laughs) you know? (laughs) <laughs> Football is, like I said, once again, is it's not the same, you know, it's not comparing um, apples to oranges, but I'm just saying the camaraderie and the aspect of teamwork, you know, mm-hmm. that's how I look at it. But I've always looked at basketball as poetry and motion and it always attracted me. And I think I was really good at basketball until I broke my leg and that was my 11th grade year in high school. So, um, and after that, I kind of lost my confidence, got it back in the army and then um, played in a couple units when I was in the army. But um, my dream was to make it to the NBA. That was my dream, but it didn't work out.
1: Uh, You definitely were tall enough to be in the NBA.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I went out there one day and I was just shooting around on the basketball court and I was like, man, I still got it. And then it was a couple of little kids came out and they picked me up. So I was like Shaquille to these little guys. (laughs) Man, I started running down that. I oh, was like, hold on, man, my knee hurting, my hip. <laughs> Let me go sit my, myself down somewhere while I build a newspaper. <laughs> you know? All right. So, um, the last talking point I wanted to hit up was politicians changing their language. Now, me and my brother, we got into a heated argument about this topic so many times before. And, you know, we like to sit down and analyze things, break down things and come up with some form of an assumption of what could take place. And I had made the comment and I can't remember exactly how it was worded, but I had told him every politician that says we're coming to get your guns, they're going to lose. He got heated, started yelling and everything, hung the phone up. That's how passionate he was about it. And then next thing you know, the politician who said that lost. That's what I try to tell you, man. You got to remember how America was formed. America was formed on firearms. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's yeah. how it got its independence. So
1: It fought a war. <laughs>
0: yeah. So we, when you turn around and you look at it, the root of this country is behind a firearm. Now, you got to remember also, it was a British um, company, meaning British from overseas, British company supplied us with majority of those weapons so we could fight the war, you know? So when we gained our independence and everything, do you think people gonna give that up that easily? Especially when the the way everything was constructed and how? No, I don't see that happening. So when it happened and he came back, yeah, but you might be right. Maybe you just worded it wrong. No, you just wasn't listening to what I was saying. (laughs) So now what actually ended up taking place I was going through YouTube and I found something and I heard this politician instead of, cause you know how they always say gun violence or um, gun crimes or however they word it with gun and then some horrible word after it. Now they're starting to say gun safety, right? This is what I say. don't don't fall for that trickery because they're gonna use that. And if they say something along the lines of gun safety in, in a speech, now you're gonna see people kind of letting the guards down and now they are go, well, the safest way will probably be for everybody to turn in their firearms and we'll be good. No, don't do that. <laughs> Cause now you're just rewriting what you was trying to do that you was getting so much pushback on, you know? So that, that terminology and the way they're trying to present it could be deadly in a sense of speaking because I think it can misguide people And when people listen to it, no, no, this is what they're saying. No, because the only thing they're doing is saying the same thing. They're just using a different terminology. So, I mean, I don't know if you've heard of this yet um, or know of anybody who said anything like that.
1: Wow. Uh, Beto O'Rourke like re- redacted his statement about wanting to take away Americans' guns, and he said, oh,
0: yeah.
1: "You know, he's not going to do that." Um, even though I think he is. And there was, I forget who it was. I don't know if it was a a judge. It was some politician or someone in the judicial branch who basically said, "Like that is, you know, that is their goal is to take away firearms." But mm-hmm. we've seen. So I reread 1984 recently. I was actually doing a 1984 book club, but I kind of fell off the bandwagon because <laughs> so I got overwhelmed by doing other stuff. So I only I started an Instagram chat, and it's still active, but we haven't actually like finished the book club itself. But I reread the book um, over Christmas <clears throat> and like into the new year.
0: Right.
1: And I love George Orwell. Like I think he's just a very interesting person I think he had a really interesting vantage point on society and it was interesting I don't know I just think it's crazy how just kind of how he saw the world heading and I think he was spot on with a lot of stuff but in 1984 the um you know, the whole premise is, like, he works for the Ministry of Truth, and his job is basically to rewrite the, um, like, the lexicon, and to omit things, and to change things, and to basically make it so that the party is always correct, and um, it's, you know, then they're, they're transitioning into what is called newspeak, which is essentially, they've they've dumbed down the language so much that they've created a a world where people can't even because i mean how do you think without language if you don't have the words to actually critically think about things you can't like you're in a box it's really hard to imagine life outside of that so um yeah, that's like the whole, the whole thing is to, to basically diminish the amount of words that are available and then control the narrative and then control society. So I'm always very keen on watching what politicians say and, and kind of like pick it apart. I am a big proponent that there's a quote by, um, I think it's Andrew Carnegie or Dale Carnegie, one of the Carnegie's. And he says, you know, the older I get, the less I worry about what people say, I just watch what they do. And I think that's very telling because words are fairly meaningless, but actions really back up someone's belief system. So they can say all the right things and have all the right speech writers and have, you know, all the good talking points, but what are they actually doing? What are their actions actually saying? Because that's who they really are. and that goes for people outside of politicians, just, you know, watch, watch what people are doing. So yeah, I I think that there's a, um, a very big push, we see it all the time, there's a lot of words that have been quote unquote doxed by the the political correctness crowd that we can't say anymore. And I'm very anti that I, I don't, I like to say words that offend people. So I do say them not on this podcast, but they probably say a lot of things that would make a lot of people mad. And um, yeah, I just think that there's a, there's a very big push on controlling what words people can say and shaming them for not using the right words and shaming them for not thinking the right things. Um, you know, all these like thought crimes, right? So yeah, it's uh we're in a really kind of precarious place in society because there is this very big push for changing words as well as um kind of manipulating what people really think. So Like now, like, you know, taking your guns away has been replaced with words like gun safety. And everything's been about safety. Since 2020, everything's about safety and saving lives and stay home to save lives. And we're all in this together. And I I mean, I do marketing for a living. So, I mean, you want to talk about like brainwashing and like catchy slogans. It's like, why do you get the stupid McDonald's jingle stuck in your head, right? It's like, (laughs) there's a reason that, you know, hearing things over and over and over again sticks with you. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's very powerful. And it's very, uh, I guess, manipulative in a lot of ways. And it's very easy to exploit people through through language.
0: Yeah. Now, everything you just said kind of backs up why they stopped teaching cursive in school, because I'm a firm believer that if they stop teaching cursive in school, now you can't read the Constitution because that's written in cursive, (laughs) you know? And some of the other laws, you know? And just dumbing down society, and that's almost the way, well, not almost, that is the way it's going, because this generation of kids don't even go to school, and do they even teach you how to do taxes in school anymore? Balance a checkbook? Do they still have woodshop and home economics? you know, like the business classes at least, you know? So yeah, I, I can already tell you like um, some of the cutback programs. I remember like at one point in time you could drive through any city on any street, you'll see about two or three basketball courts. You will not see that no more, <laughs> you know, the cutbacks and what's the reason, you know? So dumbing down on society, um, could that be a fraction of the new order that everybody keeps talking about? Like hmm something to think about but i yeah. just sent you that link also about um that politician without saying names online but <laughs> everybody else is interested about um what we're talking about that politician who said whatever i will put that link in the description as well so you can actually watch it and chime in on your talking points on it as well
1: yeah there's actually a book that i've been trying to buy but it's really expensive because it's out of print yeah. and um it's called The Deliberate Dumbing Down of America, a chronological paper, ta- paper trail. And it is literally like tactics and things that they have used to dumb down the populace over the years with, you know, quote unquote receipts as to so mm. what they're doing and how they're doing it. Um, I'll probably buy it in the near-ish future, but it's a couple hundred bucks, but it's oh, wow. really good. And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm very intrigued to, to hear, you know, hear about it i've seen a couple excerpts and i'm like this is crazy
0: <laughs> well, you know they We're got that movie on, um, it's, it's like happening. they got this series on netflix and it talks about um how to take over a nation or something like that
1: okay
0: and then when you watch it they they go through like three of the six techniques but through those three or six techniques, they already talked about four different nations. But if you pay attention and you put it together, you'd be like, oh, okay, I, I see what's going on. And it's a tactic that pretty much starts war and then overthrows the government. And, <laughs> and, <all> that <laughs> that. and I was like, oh my goodness. Now they leave out some of the stuff, like if you actually like really dig into it, but majority of the juice is there that kind of yeah. leads down that rabbit hole. So.
1: Yeah, there's a song by um, Tom McDonald, who's like a hip hop artist I think he's Canadian. Um, but he has this really good song called Brainwashed that I like. Mm-hmm. And he talks about all of the, in the song, it's like, you know, all the divisive tactics that they use to basically split apart the country.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's plenty of it going around. So I think last week's show was one of those topics because like i said if you can keep the people divided the people who are in charge can do whatever they want to do as long as the people come together now the people in charge have to listen to the people because we voted them in right you know what i'm saying so that's how that goes so um let's go ahead and jump into another quick commercial break and we have somebody that we're going to bring in through or bring into for the interview section. So, we haven't done an interview in a long time. So, um well, actually, we did. We did one like what, the week before last?
1: Yeah, yeah, we had um, Danny.
0: Danny, out. yeah. But it's been so, because at one point in time, I was doing interviews every week. <laughs> so now I don't do one every week. It seemed like, hey, that was like an eternity ago. <laughs> <laughs> but this week, we're going to go ahead and dive into another interview. And, well, you'll hear who it is, and I'll give the introduction when we come back after the commercial break. So if everybody will, please take this moment, go ahead and top off your drinks, utilize the restrooms and then come on back, lay the seat back and open up the blinds a little bit. And here are a few words from our sponsors. JM4 Tactical has developed a state-of-the-art polymer holster that will quickly become your go-to holster. With high quality Hermit Oak leather, securely sewn to the interior of the molded outer Bolteron shell, your draw becomes silent and no more scratches up and down your firearm. When seconds count, you can rest assured that you will have the upper hand when you need it most. Whether you carry open or concealed, the Relic Holster is available in four different models fitting over hundreds of different style guns. The new reliable, easy, light, individual carry holster by JM4 Tactical. Order your relic today at
2: jm4tactical.com. Hey, this is Brian Conley at Hunter's HD Gold. If you've never tried Hunter's HD Gold, then I challenge you to find me at a match next year. Go to the website under scheduled events, find out where I'm going to be, come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself.
0: What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical podcast. Please go visit the M-W Tactical store at www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two. If you haven't done so, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for M-W Tactical. All right, good people. We're back at it again. And thank you for sitting through that commercial break. Now, a few weeks ago, we had somebody on the show. And of course, you always heard me say her name wrong. Now, of course, I was doing it on purpose, but that's just how I am. I like to make mem- memories out of silly moments. So that's just me. Don't fault me. Don't shoot the messenger, but let's laugh with me and roll with the punches. <laughs> All right. So this young lady that I met a couple years ago, when I first met her, she intrigued me off of some of the things she was saying. And of course, in the gun industry, the gun culture, however you want to word it, at the event we were at, which was the train and learn event, I had to ask like three or four different people, who is she, what does she do, (laughs) right? And then of course, you know, when you start asking questions, people looking at you sideways, and some people were saying like different things. So I was just like, OK, I will find out myself. And then I ended up getting her um, Instagram handle, went on her Instagram page, started trolling through her pages, didn't write her. I just started going through it. And I was like, OK, I like what she says. I like what she's about. Bam. I right? started communicating with her. So I want to go ahead and introduce everyone to Jera who I call Jariah in the previous episode. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to bring forth Jera and introduce everyone to Jera because me personally, she's a phenomenal person. She's on top of it and she's smart. And of course, you know, I like talking to smart people, especially about firearm stuff. So without further ado, bringing forth the cigar smoking, advocate talking, knowledgeable, pretty young lady, Jarrah, aka Clearing the Chamber. How's it hey. going for you there, Miss Jarrah?
3: <laughs> What's going on? It's so great to be back. I think this is my third time now, uh, yeah. or maybe second.
0: Well, let's say two and a half. Two
3: because, and a half, yeah. Because, yeah, be you know, the head.
0: other two times you came on, you really wasn't on long enough for us to pull out more about you. So now we got all the time in the world.
3: Well, thank you so much uh, for having me on man it's a, It's a pleasure and I love doing this kind of stuff. I didn't used to like doing this kind of stuff. It was really not in my wheelhouse.
0: Well, uh, why, so, why is that? why Why didn't you like talking about stuff in front of a camera or in front of people? and it seems like you're a natural at it.
3: I, you know, all I wanted to do was teach. Hmm. I didn't really want to get uh, you know overly political with it. I didn't really want to have you know be in that drama, and have to choose a side, and you know worry about uh, people you know trolling me and and being upset with me. You know I didn't really uh, I didn't really want to be uh, in all that. And then the more that I started to pay attention to what our legal system was doing, what our political system was doing. The more that I disagreed with it, and then uh, I really credit Rachel Malone, who used to be the uh, one of the directors for Gun Owners of America. She's since stepped away from that to finish law school, but she and I keep in touch. and And what she does that that's really cool is she teaches people how to testify for, especially for gun rights and for freedom. You know, different freedom bills and things like that. And she had come across uh, one of my pages, and or someone had told her about me, I think. And she reached out and she said, hey, you know, can we chat? I really want to talk to you about some legislation. And this was, this wasn't even in the last legislature. This was like one or two legislatures prior to this last one. So I think he, I've known her for maybe five or six years now. And <clears throat> she said, we really need you to testify at this gun rights hearing. I think this was back in like 2018. And I was like, oh no, I don't do that. You know, I mean, I'd, I vote, you know, whatever, way I need to vote to be able to keep my guns, but I'm not gonna, I don't testify at hearings. That's not what I do. And she was like, well, you're gonna, (laughs) and uh, I need you to meet me at the IHOP, you know, over here in, I think it was in Fort Worth or something. And she said, I need you to testify. So uh, I showed up and we kind of talked through, through what this whole process was going to be like, because testifying at hearings in front of legislatures and and senate and congress it's a daunting task i get why people don't want to do it it's hours and hours and hours and a lot of the people truthfully that are speaking are idiots and then you're talking to a a group of elected individuals who most of the time they don't really care about what you have to say like this is something this is a a, a a daunting obstacle for them yeah And so anyway, to make a long story short, um, she she really lit a fire under me. Like once I went through this process at the gun rights hearings in 2018, I wanted to testify everywhere. I wanted to do every podcast because I was pissed. And one thing that I wasn't seeing that I wanted to see more of was we needed women testifying for gun rights uh, and and not saying the same things over and over again. We needed fresh thinkers. We needed critical thinkers. We needed women who actually carried every day. This is a huge problem that I have. We have a lot of women that say they support the second amendment, but they've never taken any gun training. They don't, they don't carry a gun. They don't know how to physically protect their children. This is about so much more than the gun. It's about, we have the right to protect the things we love. And then we have moms out here that aren't doing it, that aren't. Carving out time in their calendar for their safety, and that's egregious to me. It's wrong. I don't even have kids, and I do it. So what's their excuse? So now I just I say yes to every podcast. I go on every podcast that will have me, and I want to talk about it. I want to, I want to inspire women to change up their time management. I want to inspire women to take up arms uh, responsibly. If they want to, it's always a choice. And there are a lot of women, you know, there are women that, that support the second amendment, but guns just aren't for them. And that's okay. I want to make sure that I point that out, but it's, it's really, it's time for us to be looking at this realistically. And so, you know, we'll talk about some statistics in a little bit, but it's time for women to start standing up.
0: I agree with that. Now, do you think a lot of people, not necessarily just women always says, somebody else is going to handle it and I just want to do this.
3: Yes. I think that I was that person Mm -hmm. for a while. I think-
0: Why do you say that?
3: Because I would watch the news and I would see women that were being sexually assaulted. I would see kids that were being kidnapped. Um, I would see people testifying at these hearings, trying to get laws changed and new things implemented. Uh, and I would think to myself, you know, somebody like somebody should really do something about that. Somebody should really say something about that. Or I would hear somebody say something silly on the news about guns and what they do. And I'd go, that's not true. Somebody needs to tell them that's not true. And then it just dawned on me one day that that somebody is me.
0: Right.
3: I know about this. You know, I have the ten thousand hours behind a gun. You know, I have this knowledge. I study it. I read about it. This isn't a hobby necessarily for me. This is. I made a career out of doing this, and I need to start talking about it. And I need to not worry so much about who's going to be upset with me or whether somebody's going to disagree with me. Um, I need to. I need to go out and tell the truth. Not my truth, because that's not accurate. There's only one truth. And we have to be telling the truth and not my truth. I can speak about my experiences and how they make me feel. But at the end of the day, that doesn't necessarily mean that what I'm feeling is the truth, right? right. So we have, to, we have to first, you know, make that clear. And so once I figured out, and I always credit Rachel Malone for that. But once I figured out that the somebody that needs to be doing something is me, it was a whole different ballgame.
0: Okay. So now, knowing that you want to get into the fight, you want to get out there and put the word out and open everybody's ears, what is your driving force other than the truth? What is, what is Jera's driving force to do what she does day in and day out?
3: My driving force is manyfold. Uh, One of my driving forces is uh, I'm tired of of seeing our children Mm. being abused and kidnapped and sold into sex rings. And we need to get women to understand that statistically, they spend more time with the children than men do. And we've always throughout history, you know, we've said men are protectors and they are. But women, we have to step it up. Because if we're spending more time with the children, then the byproduct of that means that the physical protection of children is going to fall more on women than it is on men. And women need to start realizing that and start accepting it and going, what can I do? And once again, understanding that the gun is not for everybody, but there are so many moms in this world that have never even taken a situational awareness class to understand what to look for and what behaviors like there's psychology in that class that's very important for women to understand and moms to understand. So, you know, that's one. And then the next thing really is my business. Um, You know, I have other businesses now that we'll talk about later, but for a very long time, guns were my income and my livelihood. And the more political strain that we put on that, the harder it is for people to protect themselves. And the harder it is for people like me to make money. And that's not freedom. So me being able to have a livelihood is a driving factor, you know, to me speaking out, um, you know, trying to get closer and closer to eradicating rape is a big thing for me. I was raped as a teenager. Um, I, I'm, I don't live in a fantasy land where I think that rape is ever going to be gone forever. Um, um but we can combat it in a multitude of ways and you know of course one of those ways is raising better men and another way is to arm women and and give women the education and mindset to make better decisions when it comes to going out alone with strangers um and, and a lot of people call that victim blaming but it's just good goddamn sense and we need to start teaching our daughters uh, better ways to make decisions so the, the reason, you know, my reasons behind this are, are several fold and very vastly different, but they, they all affect me and other women in different ways.
0: You know, this was just a couple of weeks ago. I had a conversation with someone. I won't even say they're a friend because I really don't know them. But they was venting about the father of her child, you know, and I made a valid, I think I made a valid point, which was the reason why the father is probably not in the child's life is because you probably raped him in court and he doesn't have the financial means to be there, which he's might be working two or three jobs. But at the same time, when you turn around and you look at it, as long as he's there, you know, be appreciative of that, you know, but I'm also a firm believer that the courts need to change the way the proceedings for um, child custody court is for fathers mothers and the kids you know and i think um that that form should be not so much a tug of war of about finances but let's start making it more about time because if you keep saying it's for the better interest of the child right? Regardless if I'm working at McDonald's or in a fortune 500 company that the current situation is based off of income and not so much time, which takes away from the child, which in my opinion, look at what you have in society today. Respect is gone. You know, kids are just, you know, not being properly educated. And I think education should start at home as well.
3: Well, children are often in divorce situations pawns Mm -hmm. in a very acidic abusive game Mm -hmm. and that's not fair but um, I would take it even deeper than that Michael I would say that what we really need to be doing is and, and I know this because I've made some bad decisions in my own life um I think that that we really need, it really starts with, we need to make better decisions as to who we have sex with and marry. We need to make better decisions on who we have children with. We need to start asking deeper, more probing questions of people that we date. I mean, I'm 40 and single. If we wanted to know why we'd have to take it by the half decade, because some of it was my own bad decision-making. And a lot of it was, I was asking the pointed questions to people that wanted to date me and I wasn't getting the answer that I wanted. So I think that if we were a little more thoughtful, you know, from the beginning foundationally with who we're dating, who we're having sex with, who we're getting married to, who we're having kids with, I think that it would, it would solve a lot of those problems, but I am, uh, I do believe in father's rights. I think that fathers get hosed a lot, uh, in divorce proceedings or with custody battles and, that really needs to end too. And we're seeing, uh, at least I am, I'm kind of seeing a rise in uh, you know attorneys that are marketing themselves for father's rights and fathers that are getting custody of their children. Cause some of these moms don't need to have custody of their kids. I mean, some of these moms are evil, right. And, mm-hmm. and dads are too. And so I just feel like when we, when we look at problems like that, we really need to look at, you know, well, what's foundationally wrong and not just when it gets to the point of the custody battle.
0: I'm with you on that. Um, And like I said, I think that should be a think tank and you need both sides of the aisle to sit down and talk about it. You know, people, not lawmakers and come to a real resolution and put it into effect. Well,
3: and we need more. We need more judges that will say in court to these people, what the hell is wrong with you? Mm -hmm. Why are you acting this way? Right. What's the problem? You know, And, and really you know and in the foster don't even get me started on the foster care and adoption mm-hmm. system that we have i'm actually looking into going down the road of you know foster care and adoption and it is just an absolute shit show yes that it and it doesn't have to be that way because the statistics are there i mean like texas where i live shouldn't even it, we shouldn't even have a foster care and adoption system there's 30,000 kids in foster care there's 27,000 churches shouldn't even be a problem we shouldn't even have one right so i'm not you
0: know well let's um let's liven the mood up a little bit more (laughs) and get (laughs) off the sad topics and let's save the world for a different conversation all right but let's can you tell us more about you and cigars because some people might find that fascinating
3: I don't know who would find it fascinating, but I'll certainly talk about it. (laughs) You know, I started, I started smoking cigars about 20 years ago. I was in the oil and gas business. I loved what I did. I was so young and really just, I wanted to be successful. And so I started picking up on the fact that if you wanted people to interact with you in that business, that you needed to drink whiskey smoke cigars, and know how to hunt, Mm -hmm. and I had one of those things down. I grew up in a hunting family, and so I started to get into whiskey and uh, cigars almost out of necessity, and then I ended up really enjoying it and liking it, so I, man, I have closed many a deal over a a off I have met so many incredible people through networking uh, opportunities have been opened to me, um, you know, over a good spirit and a great cigar. And now I get to do all of the things I love and make money doing it. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: So last legislature, when constitutional carry in Texas had a really good chance of passing I started looking at other investment opportunities and other businesses to get into because I was unsure at how constitutional carry passing would affect my license to carry business. Now, I still advocated for constitutional carry because it was the right thing to do, in my opinion. I got a lot of grief about that from other license to carry instructors in Texas, believe it or not, who I think, I think they just forgot that freedom was the reason they got into this game. So got a lot of flack for that. I was quoted in some newspaper uh, about, you know, I I mean, I basically said, you know, you're a hypocrite if you're a licensed security instructor and you're not for constitutional carry. Um, So got a lot of flack about that. But I was also not stupid in assuming that my gun business would still thrive in that with that stream of income. Although I will tell you that it hasn't dwindled at all. People are still getting gun licenses in Texas um, because, I mean, they, they, need a, they would need them to travel with their gun into other states. So I haven't really seen a decline in that at all. But I did look at other businesses that I could get into, and um, there's, uh, you know, Cigar Lounge was kind of one of the things I wanted to look into, and I got into that business. I'm opening another Cigar Lounge in Arlington, Texas. Um, That's going to also be a a Cajun fusion fine dining restaurant and a blues and jazz uh, live music venue. So when the Texas Rangers baseball team built their new ballpark in Arlington, they still have the old ballpark right across the street and Choctaw Casino in Oklahoma bought the naming rights. And the city decided that instead of leveling it, it would be uh, more beneficial to repurpose it. So we Mm -hmm. took up one of the spaces for that. And that's what we're doing there is, um, you know, we have cigar smoking areas outside that can be used all year long that overlook the old field and they're still going to have live music on the field. They're still going to, the XFL is rumored to be coming there. Um, They're still going to do a lot of sports uh, in that field, but they're, they're moving, you know, there's going to be office space there. There's going to be bar shops and restaurants. It's going to be a really cool place. And we were one of the first people to get in. So uh, the plans are submitted to the city. We're going through the permitting process right now. And we're taking general contractor bids and we should be open by the fall. So it's gonna be called Hearsay uh, in Arlington, Texas. You can follow us on Instagram. Uh, It's at Arlington, And we're we're moving forward with it. So uh, we're gonna be a very spirits heavy bar. Um, We're gonna have a lot of really cool mixology cocktails, a great kitchen. Um, and a, a wonderful humidor and places where people can can smoke those cigars and make those deals.
0: Hey, that sounds like a lot you got going on. So what other businesses that you have going on?
3: I um, also currently took over operations for an existing steak and chop house. That's also in Arlington. So, you yeah, know, I spent 15 years, you know, off and on in restaurants and really enjoyed the business enjoyed the camaraderie enjoyed the money so kind of dipping my toe back into this was kind of like riding a bike and that restaurant is wildly successful wildly popular um, a lot of athletes there you know a lot of athletes eat there a lot of the texas rangers you know executive ownership and coaches eat there um, so we're we're really thriving you know with that it just needed a little structure right. And then I'm kind of moving into the podcast realm, which was something I said I would probably never do. but now I'm doing it. Oh, um, so <laughs>
0: Let's talk about podcasting.
3: <laughs> uh, so I was approached. I, w- I went to Tampa for a cigar event. Uh, took the mayor of Arlington, who is one of the investors in this cigar lounge project that we're doing. Took him with me and we, uh, David Blanco is an amazing human. And if you're not following him, you need to follow Blanco Cigars uh, on Facebook and on Instagram. And he had a HEARF, uh, which is a Cigar Smokers event out in Tampa where his shop and offices are. And uh, we flew out there and I wanted to introduce Jim to him because the city of Arlington is actually breaking ground on a Medal of Honor Museum in March. And it should be done in about, I think, a year, year and a half. Um, And Jim, the mayor of Arlington, was a former Marine and David Blanco, who took over Blanco Cigars, his family is Cuban and they've been in the cigar business since the 1800s. But David himself was uh, in the military, did a lot of really cool stuff in the military. So I wanted them to meet um, and we wanted to take his above and beyond edition cigar, which is marketed to first responders in the military. People, we wanted to bring that to the groundbreaking of the Medal of Honor Museum. And we wanted people to be able to kind of smoke there and kind of make it a really cool cigar smokers event, too. So while I was out there, I met the guys who do the Great Lakes Smoke Show podcast, and we got along immediately. I mean, these people are like my crazy Italian uncles. You know, I'm Italian, (laughs) they're Italian. And they had literally, before the week before they met me, they had had a conversation uh, with a female that they're very close to. I think it's one of their sister-in-laws and she was like, you need a woman on your podcast. You know, it's a great podcast, but there's so many more women that are smoking cigars now that you almost need that perspective and need that sort of point of view. And they agreed. And so they were actually kind of on the hunt to add a female addition to their podcast. And we got along so well in Tampa when I got back to Texas, they asked me if I would do it once a month. And I said, totally, yes. So uh, once a month on Tuesday night, I am on the Great Lakes Smoke Show podcast. And you can find us on YouTube and Twitch and, you know, every, every venue that you can think of, we're, we're on there. And then um, Kenny Lee, who is a guy that I met, he actually used to be one of my bar regulars when I was bartender in my early 20s. I was over at Cowboys Red River over in Dallas, and he would come and dance every Thursday night. And uh, we were really, really good friends. And then, you know, we lost touch for a few years, we were always connected on social media, but I hadn't spoken to him in a while. And I discovered that he and his twin brother were actually the people who started all of the big boat rallies, like all the Republican boat rallies and and car rallies out here, uh, during the sort of Trump election cycle. Hmm. And, um, I had no idea about that. And then I didn't know that Kenny bought Patriot live. And so he reached out to me about three weeks ago and was like, I want you to absolutely 100% do a podcast on our channel. So I had to take a minute and think about it. And I think I, I think I'm leaning toward doing it. So I, now I can, you know, I say what I want to say anyway, so I might as well just do it on my own show. <laughs>
0: there you got it you have it right there I'll put it like this if you need a co-host you know you got my phone number and my email so I'm there (laughs) for you Absolutely.
3: I I think I would look at that I would look at having a co-host I mean I don't really want to just talk by myself and I almost I almost want to think of it as I want to put together almost like the view Mm -hmm. but like gun girls right you know and I want to have different perspectives on it like I want to have a mom on the show. I want to have another woman who's a different race and ethnicity, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that you don't really see shooting a lot, like an Asian woman, you know, we, we got to get more Asians shooting, Mm -hmm. you know Um, we got to get more Jews in the game here because it's all over the news right now that, you know, they're being targeted. So I want to have just a bunch of really like-minded, you know, gun toting chicks and we'll do our own version of the view and it'll be the truth. And it won't be a bunch of whiny ass women, you know, talking about stupid shit. That's it's awesome. going to be things that are going to move the country and move people forward. So pretty excited about these opportunities coming up. Really just kind of stoked about all of it.
0: Yeah, It sounds really interesting and fascinating at the same time. So I'm, I'm actually looking forward to snowball into reality and watch what comes from it. So I, I think it will be a powerful impact within the, the gun industry.
3: I hope so. And I, I think this was a great time for this to happen for me because I was getting a little burned out. I, I was I was getting kind of burned out teaching guns full-time for a living with and, and a lot of the stories that I would encounter mm-hmm. was a little bit difficult. It was emotional. I was dealing with a lot of women that we're going through really hard times, abuse situations um, and this, you know, full-time, it was very heavy on me. And I think that really making the shift to doing other things that I love full-time and maybe doing the gun thing a little more part-time and doing it with a purpose would be better for me. I think I wanna concentrate a little bit more on my nonprofit, uh, which is Wade for Women. Um, So that stands for the Women's Awareness and Defense Endeavor. Um, I'm looking at, uh, so what we do is we raise money and we provide firearms training to women who are single moms, low-income women coming out of abuse situations. And in the two years that I've been doing this, we've seen a really interesting trend. And that is that the women that come to us don't go back to their abusers. So uh, last year, now we we'd only do a small number of women because it's all I can handle as a one-woman a one show, but I had 18 women go through my program. Mm-hmm. And I hook up with other charities that will provide them temporary housing, that can get them a wardrobe, that can help them get a job. Because a lot of these women don't know what independence even looks like, right? We're introducing them to a whole new lifestyle. And when we do that, I think the missing component that we've, kind of looked over in the past has been that self-defense training okay and so when we when we put all these things together in a cornucopia of independence they don't go back right because now they know how to live on their own now they know how to have standards now they know how to protect themselves and their children and so out of the 18 women that we put through the wade academy last year none of them have gone back to their abuser. They're thriving. But it's so faux pas to talk about putting guns in the hands of abused women. Now you can't just do that. You have to couple it with counseling and therapy. They have to understand the mindset behind the proper use of the firearm and when it's appropriate to use it, when it's not appropriate to use it. But if you do that you educate these women, they don't go back to their abusers and they stop the cycle and they end these generational curses, but nobody wants to talk about that because it's more offensive to talk about putting guns in the hands of abused women, which is complete bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. It's the solution. It's not a problem. It's the solution sticking a gun in the hand of an abused woman. That's never had any therapy or counseling and doesn't understand how to use it. That's a problem, but putting all of this together is really good. And it's, and so now I'm, I'm looking at, you know, cigars and whiskey and food being my livelihood, and guns being my passion. And I'm really, really excited about that.
0: That's a A-plus right there, if you ask me. So, like, for me, you know, dealing with firearms and dealing with competition shooting, um, when I first started doing competition shooting, I just found it so therapeutic and relaxing that I just carried it forward, and now I just do it all the time now, you know? And even when it comes to podcasting, I started off on the black man with the um, black man with the gun podcast with Ken Blanchard. And when he retired the first time, <laughs> you know, it was like a void for me, like, yo, oh, I need to be doing some podcasts and stuff right now. And one day I just sat there and was like, okay, well, I know what to do because he already educated me on what, to t- what has to take place. Then I came forth with my podcast, you know, M um, M-W tactical podcast. And Even like when I keep saying, okay, I'm done with it. I'm not going to do it again. I still get pulled back into it, (laughs) you know? So, so now I just break it down into seasons and this is season four, of course. And, but I still have fun with it because I do enjoy talking to people. And once again, I find talking to people about what I enjoy talking about the political stuff. This is all new to me. So I'm like kind of reaching right now with this season, you know, talking all the politics and all. But I still find it therapeutic though, you know, and just the education aspect of it, of talking with people who are more knowledgeable about what's going on behind the scenes in DC and, you know, your local area, it's our livelihoods in a sense of speaking.
3: Well, the political side, especially of, of firearms has really gotten out of hand uh, and I'm, started, I'm starting to get really irritated by that. I'm starting to get angry. Um, I'm starting to call people out, I'm starting to get in trouble for it, and I don't care. Um, we need to, you know, this is, and I think that what I'm about to say is going to be highly controversial. Again, I don't care. We need to start normalizing, telling people what we would kill them for and it not be a problem because it's, it's the truth. It's reality. Okay. But it's so offensive to people, especially people that don't have guns or don't care to train guns or who think guns are bad. It really just, you know, gun grabbers and anti-gun people. But the truth of the matter is, and, you know, I said this to uh, I said this to someone when I was talking about Beto O'Rourke Uh, running for governor here in Texas, you know, and he's the guy that got real famous on, you know, saying, hell yeah, we're going to take your AR 15 bitch. No, you ain't. Mm -hmm. And he backpedaled on that so hard when he started running for governor, because when he was running for Senator in the last election cycle against Ted Cruz, you know, he said that thinking it was going to gain him a bunch of supporters and all it did was kill his chances at ever winning. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, Now I've, you know, I've on a number of occasions, I've challenged Beto O'Rourke to a debate. I think that if you run for an office like governor, you should have to on 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 the platform of issues that you're running for or against, you should have to debate just a regular everyday person on one of those issues. And I want to debate him on guns, because the things that he's saying are absolutely ridiculous. He has no clue what he's talking about. And so when he says, hell yeah, I'm going to come and take your AR-15, are you? Is it going to be you? Are you the one that's going to come to my door and knock on my door and say, hey, you know what? We passed this law and now you're going to need to give me your AR-15. Because guess what? If you try to come over to my house and do that, I'm going to kill you. Why would I not? You're taking something away from me that doesn't belong to you and you have no reason, authority, or proper You have no right to do it. So yes, I'm going to kill you. And we need to start talking about that again, because if we do, it gives people a really great understanding of where they stand with us. Okay, so instead of so, you know, now we're all being censored on social media and Twitter and Instagram for saying these things, but it's the truth. I'm going to kill you if you come over here and try to do that. And so we needed to start normalizing these conversations so that they stop forgetting who the fuck they're talking to. Mm-hmm. So you can say it all day long and try to get political gain and try to get a bunch of supporters, but sweetie, you're not going to do it. You can't. So it's really, and it's really about who are you going to get to enforce it? Cause I'm going to kill them too.
0: And I think that's going to be a problem in, in our country. Being that if they do pass something like that, and I already heard so many officers, you know, in the South, over here in South Carolina where I live at, actually say if they do something like that, there is no way I'm going into anybody's house to try to take anything like they work for.
3: I just posted that today on Twitter. I just said today, I was like, we need to quit pleading with these politicians like it's going to help. We need to start talking to our law enforcement and their leaders and seeing where they stand because tyrants can't enforce without enforcers. Mm-hmm. So normalize the conversations about why we would kill you, right? You come and take my AR-15 without any rights or reasons to do it. I'm not a felon. I haven't murdered anybody with it. You have no reason to come to my house and take my AR-15, so I'm going to kill you. We need to start having these conversations and normalizing saying that because they need to understand that we mean business.
0: True. Well, I think Americans do mean business when it comes to our rights. And like you said, the politicians are not listening. And that's a problem. A I mean, problem. we still
3: have people... We still have people sitting in jail a year later for this January 6th bullshit. I wasn't there. I didn't partake in it. I didn't want to, okay? Do I think the election was stolen? I don't know. I think that we need to look into voter fraud a little more vehemently, but I'm not gonna go you know, storm the Capitol over this. I don't necessarily think those people should have either, but I also don't think they need to be sitting in a jail cell for a year. That's bullshit. Right. I, I think that it's I think it's bullshit that in our nation's capital, the nation that was founded by the gun, the nation that was founded because we wanted rights, because we wanted to be able to live free. You can't carry a gun in D.C. What? It's ridiculous. The fact that we even have to that the fact that we even have to have a license to have a gun is unconstitutional. These are the things that we need to be talking about. And these are the things that need to be changed. And these people are going to mess around and make me run for office. And I don't do want to do that either. Do it, do it,
0: do it. I, actually, no, I, I, can actually, I can actually say when you get upset, I like it because I get the popcorn and my drink and I sit there and just watch you go off and be like, Oh, this is getting good. <laughs> I
3: mean, you know, I mean, I hate, I hate what's happening in Canada right now. And I posted that on my Instagram. I'm like, man, you know, when I, when I, talk to Canadians. I, I even dated a Canadian for a little while and it was so weird. And we talked about guns all the time. And I was like, dude, what is wrong with you? <laughs> like, <laughs> where does this mindset come from? Like, you really think that you don't have a right to self-defense and it's so, so hard to carry a gun in Canada. Hmm. The laws are so backwards on self-defense in Canada. And now, you know, it took this COVID pandemic to make a lot of Canadians realize that they really need to get their shit together when it comes to fighting for their rights. And so now, you know, they're being trampled on in the street by horse cops. They got police officers breaking into their trucks and dragging them out of their trucks and arresting them for peaceful protesting. And now I'm going, do you get it now? Do you see it now? Because the only people who, who don't want you to have these rights are people who need to control you. We've been saying it forever. And now you're starting to get it. And Canadians have been giving us a lot of shit about our Second Amendment rights and how vehemently we protect it for a long time. And now I hope that they see that they need to start fighting for their own version of the Second Amendment and never let that shit go,
0: Mm -hmm. ever. Right. Let's go ahead and move forward. And um, this uh, segment of the show, I like to call it quick fire. So whatever your criteria is, for the questions being asked, it's whatever you come up with, right? And I might ask you why, just to get a better understanding of your decision. All okay. right. You ready? I'm ready. All right, first question. Loyalty or respect?
3: Respect.
0: Okay, so why you say respect?
3: Because I have respect for people who are not loyal to my way of thinking. Okay. And I, th- I think it's, it's very important that we respect each other, even though we may not think the same, right? I mean, there's a lot of people that I disagree with that I have a tremendous amount of respect for, because even though we may not agree on a certain topic, they do continue to live their life with integrity. And I respect that.
0: Okay. That's fair enough. Handgun. Or AR handgun. Okay, so what's your favorite handgun, or what is your handgun of choice?
3: You know, I have several different ones that I carry pretty often, um, and the reason I say that is not really. There's not a right or wrong answer there. It's just I'm better with a handgun, <laughs> so that's going to be my my go to situation.
0: Now, are you really, better? Really... Are you better with a handgun, or just feel more comfortable with a handgun?
3: I think I think I just spend more time. With handguns yeah. right so maybe ask me that in a in a future podcast and see if my answer changes
0: <laughs> yes i will trust me i will but
3: i do you know but i do enjoy the more compact nature and being able to take them more places
0: mm-hmm.
3: uh, but i also you know i love i love a good ar uh, right now i carry a sig 365 um a glock 43x and a, a sig 238 probably the most um, but Canic has sponsored the PDN tour for us this year. So I'm getting two Canic models in um, nice. to be able to try this year. So, you know, I think that's just, uh, you know, my favorites are ever evolving.
0: There you go. That's it right there. Uh, full size or compact?
3: I dig a compact model just because I, you know, I'm a smaller woman. So it's easier for me to carry a compact model. Sometimes they're more difficult to shoot. So they require a lot more practice. But if you ask me, Ease of shooting, I would go full, but mm-hmm. if if it was it had to be something that I could I could use and carry on me every day, I'd go compact.
0: Okay, tactical training or competition?
3: Uh, tactical for me. I'm more of of the everyday life. I did competition uh, for a while. I really enjoyed it. I think there's a lot of really good skill sets that come out of competition shooting. It's very fun. Um, I'm actually going to shoot in the governor's twenty this year, which is a military competition uh, shooting competition between all the military branches. Mm -hmm. So really did competition shooting, but um, I, I very, very much enjoy tactical shooting a lot more.
0: Okay. Um, One in the chamber or not?
3: Always in the chamber, always in the chamber, man. Nothing irritates me more than, you know, I meet somebody who's like, Oh, I've been training guns for seven years, or I've had my license to carry for five years and they still carry without one in the chamber that's silly it's not going to get you anywhere and it just it's a it's a fear factor that you don't need to have especially once you've been around firearms that long
0: iron sights or red dot
3: i'm more of an iron sight person although (laughs) i will tell you that uh i maybe maybe that's because of lack of education i haven't really ever taken a red dot class uh so you know if you know, if Ken with Provectus Group is watching this, I'm going to take your red dot class, okay? But I, I just feel like, I feel more comfortable in a, a with a grosser, uh, you know, sight instead of a finer sight uh, just because that's what I've been shooting for, you know, since I was 12. <laughs> right. So I just, I, think, I feel like I'm better. So um, any gun I get, um, and this is actually a really good, Um, piece of advice for a lot of gun owners out there um, any gun I buy automatically gets night sights put on it because you never know when you're gonna have to shoot that gun in the dark uh, or in a a lower light situation Um, and so it just really behooves you to have um, a night sight situation on all that
0: on all those guns now I'm like you I'm big on to I'm big on iron sights and uh, I did tell Ken I was going to link up with him when I put a red dot on the combat master that I got and also my buddy in Charlotte named Gil, who owns 42 Consulting, he actually talked me into coming through his course also. So I'm going to do that to refine that same training all over again. So I think we're on the same path with that. So I'm, my only familiar, um, only thing I'm familiar with with red dots is what I learned when I was in the military. That was it. And it, the knowledge then wasn't as vast as it is now.
3: Well, and if it, if it fails you, you got to go right back to the iron sights anyway. And, right. and, you know, also if you, if you, if it's mounted too close to the ejector port, it's going to get dirty. Mm-hmm. Um, it can, it can get a lot of, you know, different lint and, and, you know, things on it. If you are carrying it every day. I mean, there's still a lot of factors with a red dot that I don't really like. But um, I've shot red dots before and I enjoy them and they're fun. I just don't know that it's something I want on my everyday carry. Right.
0: Right. Over the ear protection or in the ear?
3: So I, man, that's tough. Um, I (laughs) use it. I use in the ear more, um, you know, because I'm a chicken. If I'm having a good hair day, (laughs) you know, I want it to stay that way. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there is a really good, well, now they have a lot of inner, inner ear protection that's electronic. Right. Um, so that's, that's good too. But I've had the, you know, the regular old, you know, ones that were formed to your ear that Sheena Snow would make me. Um, but I have over the ear protection that's electronic. And um, I always use that for new students that come uh, to, to train with me because I want them to be able to hear me on the range so that they don't make a, a mistake that could hurt them. Right. So, you know, I'm a big proponent for electronic, you know, over the ear, um, electronic ear pro for new students that are coming to train with me so they can hear me. But I, I use inner ear
0: more.
2: Okay.
0: Open carry or concealed carry?
3: Concealed all day.
0: Kind of- I haven't open.
3: Yeah, I haven't opened carried a day in my life um, unless I was doing law enforcement stuff. Um, so I, like, I have a security license. Mm -hmm. um so we we go and supplement law enforcement um on certain contracts um so i have to i have to open carry but generally no i don't
0: okay kydex holster or leather holster kydex flashlight on the firearm or no light
3: i don't have a flashlight on my firearm so i'm gonna say no flashlight i mean i see the I see the application for it. It's just not something that I have.
0: Gotcha. SHOT Show or NRA?
3: SHOT Show. I think the NRA has become a bureaucratic mess. I'm not a fan. Um, You know, I'm not necessarily a fan of SHOT Show either all the time, but it's better than NRA. Okay.
0: Um, Would you rather be a student or instructor?
3: Oh, man, that's a tough one. I love being a student. Um, you know, I man, I love in instructing too, but I think I enjoy being a student more. I like learning more. Um, sometimes being an instructor is, there's, not, there's never a con, honestly, to being a student. Right. Um, you know, being an instructor carries a lot of weight.
0: I think um, you have to be a better student before you can be a good instructor. That's one of the things I've always believed.
3: Boy, don't get me started on this. <laughs> All right.
0: <So> I... <laughs> go for it. Go for it. I want to hear it. I want to hear it.
3: Um, I am very critical of instructors mm-hmm. because... I have seen so many who don't have the number of hours behind the gun that they need to have in order to be an effective teacher. Mm -hmm. A lot of instructors lack the ability to articulate an idea in many different ways. You have to understand that you're going to encounter students who are on all different spectrums of education and ability to be able to intake information so the truth of the matter is that sometimes you've got to dumb it down for people and sometimes you have to raise it up. And the idea, this idea of I went and took a bit class in a pistol instructor course and it was like a two-day thing and now I'm an instructor or a teacher, you're not though. Mm-hmm. And so the first time that someone challenges you, you're going to look dumb. Right. You know, I was a student for a long time before I ever became an instructor and started teaching classes by myself. You know, I was always either teaching with someone else, which I think is a great plan. I mean, this whole idea of, you know, in, in, inter, interning, you know, as an instructor and maybe teaching certain segments of something that you're really good before you take over the whole class by yourself, you got to do that. Right. Um, especially if you're teaching things that are legal, um, meaning, meaning law, like gun law, because if you're not a lawyer, and a lot of lawyers don't even understand gun law. I mean, right. there's all different kinds of, you know, a lawyer isn't just a lawyer is a lawyer, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: There's different kinds of law. And so I'm, I'm very critical of instructors. I'm very critical of people who um, will present themselves as instructors when they're not. And it, there's a lot of weight that comes with that. And I will call you out. If I take your class and I think you suck at it, I'm going to tell you. Mm-hmm. Because I I we shouldn't. have to... We have to and you have to think you have to be able to take that constructive criticism, because what a lot of people will do is they'll go and take classes, they'll pay attention, they'll memorize things. And then they just all they're doing is taking people's money and regurgitating someone else's thought, and they Mm -hmm. don't understand how to live it out. Um, or explain it in a different way when someone doesn't understand. And then they resort to these tactics of, well, you just need to do what I tell you and you just need to listen to me. No, a lot of people that are getting into this game want to know the why behind you teaching it this way. And you have to be able to explain it so that they understand.
0: I totally agree. (laughs) I totally agree with it. All right. Indoor range or outdoor range?
3: i much prefer shooting outdoor than indoor.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay rain or extreme hot?
3: As far as like shooting or just in general?
0: Whatever your criteria is.
3: Oh, rain all day. I hate being hot. <laughs> all right.
0: Speed or accuracy?
3: Well, that's a tough one. I mean, shooting is a balance of speed and precision. So that's almost not a fair question. <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna call an audible on that one
0: <laughs> okay we'll go with that we'll go with that way all right last question jesse harrison or julie Gallop?
3: i love julie i don't i don't hate jesse at all i just think that julie is the epitome of what women in the gun industry should be correct um she's she's fair and loved and um, You know, I think that she is very sophisticated in how she might um, deal with controversy. Much more than me, she has so much more couth than Mm -hmm. I do, and I think that we could all take a page out of her book.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I totally, I I enjoy talking with her every time I do talk with her. (laughs) Very good person. Very good person. Well, I do thank you for coming on to the show and talking about the adventures that you have coming forward and. I want to actually speak with you again when the ball really starts snowballing a little bit bigger with some of the things you have going forward.
3: Well, I would love to do that too. Um, I actually have you on the list. I made a list of, of kind of people in the gun industry that I want to invite out to our grand opening. Um, So our place is literally within walking distance of a really nice hotel. Um, Actually like three or four different hotels um, with different budget options. So Mm -hmm. I'd love to get people in, to, uh, you know, kind of see the place eat. Um, we've got a couple private rooms um, within the facility or within the, the restaurant. So I think that what I'm going to do is just kind of see how many people say yes, and maybe just reserve one of those private rooms for us to have dinner um, for grand opening and um, be able to kind of just reconnect and, and, you know, show you guys what I've been doing.
0: Hey, like I say, just let me know when and I will be there. <laughs> I'm all yes, about it. I would it. love
3: to do that. I would love to do that.
0: Yeah. Like I said, I will support you 100% because since day one, I've been a fan and I just love your drive. <laughs> so well, thank you. Thank you so truth. much.
3: I, I love you too. Love what you're doing. Um, you know, love, uh, you know, you, I think you normally have a co host on the rock, show.
0: Rockstar. Yeah.
3: Rockstar. Rock so um, love what she's doing. Very proud of her and a lot of the other women that are coming into the industry, you know, I'm, I've really, I think that's one of the things that I really loved about that, uh, the train and learn event is I get to connect most of the time, uh, with women who are coming into the industry with really, with really amazing purpose Mm -hmm. and not just about promoting themselves or taking, you know, pictures of themselves, you know, half naked with an AR, like there's purpose behind what they're doing. And they're really learning um, how to make an impact in this industry and in this country and really proud of them and love them. Um, so um, she's, she's one of them. And uh, I love it when she like, when she kind of reposts something that I'll put out there and kind of puts her own spin on it. Cause she's just so funny, right. you know, and I just like really dig her style. So um, yeah, keep, keep rocking with her, man. She's awesome.
0: Oh yeah. Like I said, she's a fun person. Um, I always joke with her just because so, she's always having a bad day. So you got to make her smile. And after she started smiling, no more bad day. And that's <laughs> it. And she's just a good person also. But I like circling myself around good people, though. You know. That's
3: well, what and she, she and I connect through football, too, because we're both Green Bay fans. So oh, we're mercy. like, yeah, she's <laughs> the one that let me know that Aaron Rodgers is single now. So now I got to go try to give me a husband.
0: Uh-oh, there you got it. Go chase him now. You got a leather skin? You got leather skin, yeah. got leather skin right?
3: I need you to sign this. That's that's
0: where it's going to start, right?
3: (laughs) That's why I always be carrying a Sharpie with me. I never know who I'm going to run into, you know?
0: (laughs) That's it. Well, you know, my claim to fame is that um, Jennifer Lopez told me I had beautiful eyes.
3: You should have smashed her up immediately. You should have kidnapped her ass and took her home.
0: (laughs) Well, it went like this. Um, I was in the military, of course, and I was stationed at Fort Stewart. And this is the time frame when she was with Ben Affleck and um ben, the first time the first time correct and she uh, ben affleck had uh he had a mansion in georgia on one of those islands out there in georgia like close to tybee island and it was a group of my buddies and we rode our motorcycles up to best buy and they had walked in closed the store down of course and i'm sitting there looking because you know what I did in the military, you can tell when a perimeter is being set, like, oh, hell, what, what just, what's taking place in here, <laughs> right? So I'm not trying to look obvious or everything. So I was like, all right, if the threat's up there, it should be good, we should be good back here. And we was over in the CD section, and um, before you knew it, she was standing right next to me. And when I looked, I literally did a double take, like, whoa, <laughs> like, you um, know, I was kind of, I was starstruck. I ain't going I was fanboying out, I was fanboying out, but I was trying to keep my cool at the same time. You know, and then um, we sat there and we was talking, and it was about her CD, um, wh- whichever CD it was at that time, because I had it in my hand. And she said, "You're gonna buy it?" And I said, "Well, actually, I bought it twice because I bought it the first time, somebody stole it, and I bought it the second time." <laughs> you know, and, um, and you know, we just started talking about music, and then Ben Affleck walked up behind her, like kind of gave her a hug behind, and you know, I kind of looked down and like, "Man, get your hands off her." <laughs> you know my chick (laughs) (laughs) and then um and then she was like well you know i was just sitting right here talking to mister and then when she pointed at me i was like oh mike how's it going for you and i said i'm a fan of yours also and then um when i went to go shake his hand and when i was leaning back she just kind of looked and kind of turned the head sideways and was like you have some beautiful eyes and i was like well thank you All right and then he was like all right honey let's go we got to get out of here we got to go wherever they had to go next then they walked off and right there
3: ruined it for you he just ruined
0: it my heart melted and i was like okay Mm -hmm. i'm I'm gonna get you i'm gonna get you again just wait (laughs) (laughs) i love it yeah so that's how that went down for me all right but like i said um i do want to thank you for coming on to the m-w tactical podcast and you know you are welcome to come back anytime so if you just want to voice your opinion about something or let the world know that you're running for office hit me up We'll get you on the show (laughs) and we'll let you do your thing.
3: (laughs) Yes, sir. Why? It's been a pleasure and I look forward to the next time.
0: So there you have it. And just like always, keep your head on a swivel, but most importantly, keep shooting, keep practicing and have fun. Y'all take care now.